everybody. Welcome back to the Prairie Pod. Happy Prairie Tuesday, everybody. Hi, Mike. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, Megan. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day out there today, right? It is a sunshiny day, and it's always a beautiful day when we're going to talk prairie. It's a perfect a perfect day for this subject, the, the, the therapy that nature provides, right? That's what we're talking about today. Prairie's exactly. importance as a mental health refuge. It's both a refuge for animals and for your soul, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well put. Yeah. I, I can go for that. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, good. So like many of you know, last year was tough. It was a tough year, right? It threw a lot at uh, us. Understatement of the decade? <laughs> yeah, possibly. Possibly. Uh, global pandemics and all uh, definitely lead to lots of difficulties in our real everyday life. And one thing that I noticed even in myself is that I turned time and again to the natural world to just help me have a moment of sanity. And so I became very, very grateful for our public lands that are all around us. Congratulations, listeners. You're a public landowner. So it was very great because we are so blessed in Minnesota to have all of these opportunities and access pretty close to where we live geographically. So it gave us lots of good opportunities to just take a moment to breathe. And lo and behold, when I did a little bit of reading about this, I found out that our brains are deeply connected to nature. So that sense of peace shocker. and wellness that I feel. What'd you say, Mike? It's a shocker. That shocker. Was sarcasm. That was sarcasm. Shocker. <laughs> shocker. Our brains are deeply connected to nature. I know, like our brains haven't really changed that much through time. And so we actually need nature for our wellness. And so we have invited two fantastic guests with us here today to talk through this. We've got a medical doctor. We've got an outreach and marketing specialist. We've got the right people to talk about mental health and how prairies are helping you out on the daily. On the daily. Mike, I like when you nod in response to me because our listeners can totally hear you nodding. They can hear that in my voice on the daily. <laughs> on the daily. It's not. I'm going to incorporate that into my daily uh, dialogue. In your daily dialogue. Wow. Well, let's incorporate some of what we're going to learn today into our daily habits, a daily dose of nature, if you will. So let's jump right in and have our guests introduce themselves. Veronica, let's start with you. Well, hello everyone. My name is Veronica Halalambides and you probably hear a slight accent which gives me away as not being originally from Bemidji. I was born and raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina, but finished growing up in this amazing Midwestern state. And this is where I'm from now, really. I moved here in my early 20s for what I thought would be two or three years, but I ended up falling in love with the access to all the natural spaces and resources in Minnesota. So do you want more now or do I leave space for Dr. Anne next? So we'll I, leave a little space for Dr. Yeah, Anne next. Story, man. That's what I'm here for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Ann, go ahead yes. and introduce yourself. I'm very glad that I was invited because this is something that's very close and near dear to my heart and has been since I think I was a little kid. In fact, I know that's true. Uh, I'm a lifelong person from New Orleans, fourth generation, and um, I love not only farms, but meadows and prairies and woodlands and rivers and lakes, you name it. In fact, I am an aunt of six little great 
nieces and nephews. And my niece and nephew, I have four of those, I always sign my name as Anne from Prairie, Prairie Land. So they call yeah. me the Prairie, the Prairie Aunt. I love it. Nice. So and I can tell you, when I go to medical meetings in the Twin Cities, as I get closer and closer back to my high Matlan, which is New Ulm, and we are prairie people, for sure. How, how was that, Dr. Ann? What, prairie what people? No, high something land. My high That's my homeland. Oh, Heimat. Okay. I'm on land. And for those of you, because you can't see Dr. Ann, she's actually wearing a gnome pin I today am. to because signify. You're, you're going to hear about the Heinzel mentioned, who's the Obermeister of the Minnesota River Valley. Yeah. I love so much. So we're Nobody bringing else. you. Yeah. We're bringing you two very different cultural perspectives today on how nature and wellness is so important and how it impacts all of us. And so we hope that you enjoy this conversation because it's going to be great. <laughs> I want to I want to say that um, an emphasis for me and I think for all of us today is that these natural areas. I mean, we we talk about heroes a lot during the pandemic, and there's there have been many. Um, but when it comes to non-human heroes, I think natural areas fit that bill. They have they have pulled through for us in in amazing ways, and I want I think we we need to highlight highlight that today. Should I should I just jump right into the first question, Megan? Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. I mean, a, a key example of these heroic natural areas are our state parks. They're not our only natural areas, certainly, right? There's there's lots that we've talked about all the time on this show. State parks, I think, are kind of a special special place in Minnesota. Given given my, I've been here now for five and a half years, but I can tell that they are kind of a go-to for a lot of for a lot of Minnesotans, and and so they filled a very important need during the pandemic. So yeah, if it's okay, let's just jump right into state parks with Veronica. Um, Veronica, can you tell us? Uh, more about the use of the state parks and how that changed over the pandemic. And and my understanding is the use of state parks went up significantly. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. So uh, in my introduction, I wasn't able to share why you're asking me that question. I, uh, I have the dream job. I get to uh, market Minnesota state parks and trails. I'm the marketing consultant. I found this amazing job about three years ago or a little over three years ago. Uh, it's a job where I can combine my passion for outdoor recreation and my skills uh, in marketing and also outreach to diverse communities. So that's why Mike's asking me this question, not just because I'm uh, this random person from Argentina. Gotcha. So in 2020, <laughs> there was a 25% increase in visitation to Minnesota state parks and recreation areas. It is wow. estimated that more, yeah, more than 12.3 million people visited state parks and recreation areas last year. Previous uh, average annual visitation was around 9.8 million people. Uh, there was some decline in overnight visits uh, because mainly because of temporary closures and capacity restrictions for camping, lodging, and group accommodations, obviously, because, you know, COVID. And, uh, yeah, we, we were closed between mid-March and Memorial Day and slowly started opening all the locations and uh, providing those opportunities. But, you know, we had to be mindful and do that safely so we wouldn't have uh, super spreader events at our mm -hmm. camping locations. 
Absolutely. And what, so you were asking me about how uh, visitation increased, right? That was yes. right. Right. You did a great job of that. Man, so that increased by millions, oh. did you say? Yeah, to 25%, or uh, by 25%, I'm sorry. So from 9.8 million to 12.3 million people. Oh, oh and I know what else I should mention. Uh, I'm part of the divisions of the Division of Minnesota State Parks and Trails. So I should also mention state trails and state forest recreation areas. Uh, we manage the camping mm. at state forest recreation areas, and that's dispersed camping. So uh, gotcha. less amenities, but you're more spread out. So state trail use increased by about 50%. 50? Five zero? Five zero, yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, paved state trails serve about two million visitors in a typical year. And with the increase in usage, we estimated about three million visitors used paved state trails in 2020. Three million. These so that's fantastic, right, for people like us who understand the importance of outdoor mm -hmm. recreation and the impact on health. Um, state forest recreation area camping increased uh, by 33%. So that's oh also a pretty big number. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention too was among the uh, usage. I mean, it, it's really varied all over the place. Uh, going back to parks, I mentioned the 25% increase. Then uh, that is the average for the whole state, right? Uh, uh -huh. That's a, that's a lot of different locations and uh, different types of parks. So some of the numbers that I think are very interesting is that there was a, a major increase in Twin Cities metro area parks where mm -hmm. most of our population is. So for example, Afton State Park uh, had a, an 85, 85, 85% visitation increase. Okay. And Banning State Park, 82 percent. Oh and then God. some of the more rustic parks also saw a large increase in visitation because people were seeking uh, parks that they assumed would be less visited, not as uh, there wouldn't be as many people, so easier for social distancing. And uh, I should explain to what a rustic park is. Those are the parks were uh, that are a little quieter. Mm -hmm. They have you can have more of a natural experience with fewer services and amenities than more uh, some of the more developed parks, right? So uh, some examples are Beaver Creek Valley State Park mm -hmm. uh, with there. a yep seventy-eight uh, percent. You too, nice park, right? Seventy-eight percent uh, visitation increase, and Camden State Park so a forty-eight percent visitation increase, and then of course there's the parks that provide certain attractions like Forestville Mystery Cave, that's mm -hmm. a, down in your areas as well, um, where we had a visitation decrease because obviously the tours were not uh. happening. And then uh, Historic Forestville was closed and I actually got to camp there in October and it was, it was perfect regardless of <laughs> those attractions being closed. But uh, just you know, to give you some more background of where, why it's only 25%, you know, it's, it's been all over the place for different reasons. It shouldn't be that surprising to me because every time that I tried to visit a state park last year, it was, it, it was phenomenal. There were cars, you'd come early 
and you'd be there with like 20 people and you're like, all right, we can spread out. This is fine. And you come off the trail and the there are lines of cars all the way down the road, parked out on the highway. And you're thinking to yourself, well, gee, that's a lot of people. I've never seen this many people at this state park before. And just my my family members and relatives were telling me things like, yeah, we're trying to find the hidden state parks that nobody knows about. <laughs> we want to go to rustic the, state parks the rustic right, parks. Yeah. You got it, Mike. Yeah, You're on top of it. Yeah, exactly. I, actually, uh, they brought us some of the boring bureaucrats to help at some of the busier <laughs> state parks like Afton. So I got a chance to, to see that in person and interact with some of our visitors and it was it was a great experience but yeah that's a you're exactly right with your description you know cars lined up out the you know out the park gate uh waiting to get in we had to close the gate a couple of times to uh you know space out visitors and uh make sure there was enough parking for everyone right but it, it was also fantastic to see everyone was in such good spirits as we were talking at the beginning right like it's such a great experience to be outdoors and uh, has such a positive impact on mood talk to us a little bit about why you think we're seeing some of this mike had some really neat examples in the outline for us is it is it the exercise are there m&ms at the end of trails that you guys are hiding out there and people are like you walk down that trail there's a pile of m&ms at the end is it again associating desserts with everything megan I, 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 snacks are for everyone michael okay Okay. <laughs> but she yeah, says, Michael. Come on. <laughs> you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about it. What is it? Is it the wildlife viewing? Is it just the sheer, I need to, my brain is telling me I need to be in this natural space? What do you think it is? Yes, all, all of the above, in my opinion. But I have some amazing coworkers and friends who help me gather all the, the true data. Uh, so shout out to my boss, Rachel, and my friends, Jamie and Darren, uh, who are the experts on this, you know, teamwork makes for the dream work. And uh, so there's, there's some good research out there on this. You'd be surprised to hear, as, as I was, uh, that this... Uh, there's a, there has been a, a steady increase in outdoor recreation, the importance of outdoor recreation as a part of the life for most Minnesotans, even prior to the pandemic. So uh, in 2004, 57% of Minnesotans viewed outdoor activities as very important versus 70% of Minnesotans, uh, yeah, recognizing the importance of outdoor recreation in 2017. Hmm, so okay. I, I think that trend was already uh, somewhere, and that's, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but that was prior to me getting this job. So I guess uh, I want to say that. That's all due to you then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it takes a village. It takes a village, man. So, and then the other uh study or report I got a, 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 my, a, my co-worker shared with me is from the KOA and uh, they did a special report this past fall and uh, about the camping trends in North America and this is these are the numbers so 46% of leisure travelers have spent more time outdoors and the top reasons were having more free time and that was cited by 58% of the people surveyed uh, there was a desire to get outside after being forced to stay inside mm -hmm. 47% of the people said that and I'm going to sign up 
one to that one because really like exactly. i i can't spend any more time inside uh you know i'm working here all the time i sleep here i eat here so uh so it's it's great to to go outside uh it is and then uh, you know obviously i don't want to go inside because there's a, a risk for contagion and then uh, 41% cited exercise as a reason to spend more time outdoors uh, as far as camping 60% of campers say that the ability to work from home during the pandemic is allowing them to camp more often and work mm. simultaneously i mean that's genius right a lot of our state parks too have wifi so we've talked about that a few times you know getting a cabin a one of the camper cabins and working from there because why not but difference does it make right right so keep, yeah we'll keep the same zoom background anyway and <laughs> then we, we saw two big peaks in visitation uh both surrounding tightening restrictions associated with COVID-19 and I'm back to Minnesota by the way uh so the first peak in visitation was around uh like I said the first time the first day at home order and uh it was mainly concentrated in the twin cities and the second was in the fall when there was a second virus peak um in both cases other activities were limited and there was public emphasis in the media about how outdoor recreation was a valid opportunity if you can maintain distance even the governor i remember encouraged it uh, outdoor recreation from the very beginning some of his first press conferences he was saying you know go outside take advantage of these amazing natural resources those heroes like mike was saying earlier mm -hmm. right and then the the first peak also spurred increased visitation for the whole of 2020 and people started looking for more opportunities with built-in social distancing like you know state parks or those uh, rustic parks that we were mentioning earlier because they're considered to be quieter and that's you know that where we see those increases at the rustic state parks that's great. I just every time you say the word heroes, I'm picturing like our state park signs with tiny capes on them. Maybe that's something we should be investing in next, like a little bedazzled cape on the on the old Flandreau State Park sign. That would be something. How about a new uniform for all our staff, man? That includes a cape. <laughs> a hero badge. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, they, they're working extra hard and doing amazing work to, to keep us all healthy and, and keep safe. those parks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for shouting out to them because we should really be thanking all of our our public servants during this. Um, you know, just shout out to all of you. You're doing an amazing job. Our doctors, our nurses, but certainly mm -hmm. our park staff, our wildlife managers, our our ecologists, our non-game biologists. I'm going to miss somebody. Our hydrologists. You know, all of these folks have really been doing a lot, a lot of work during the pandemic to make sure that we stay safe and that we have access to these public lands that we so love. So that's just a, that was a brief aside, a brief shout out and a thank you message that I think is important. So, okay, so this is exciting. So we've had these huge increases in park users. We can explain, you know, some of the why, because people, because of some of the changes of the pandemic, stay at home orders, also working from home has allowed folks to have more free time or some of the things you said. And then certainly that stress relief and promotion of, hey, this is, a, this is an activity you can do safely getting outside. And then the exercise. So we know all of that. 
What do you think this means for the future of state parks? Have we created the next generation of state park lovers? And we think that this is going to be a sustainable trend. And also, what are we doing to make sure that our state parks are as they should be for everyone so that they're as inclusive as they possibly can be? What a great question. I don't have the crystal ball, but I do think it's a good moment, uh, a good time to plug in all the work a lot of people in the, uh, the Department of Natural Resources have been doing around uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. And that is just the key, in my opinion, to the future of our uh, natural spaces. We need to engage more uh, new populations in outdoor recreation because that's how they're going to be the conservationists of the future uh, tomorrow if i want those state parks and trails to exist for my own kids you know in 20 years other kids other people need to be engaged again and loving them uh, you can't just see it on your computer screen on instagram you need to be immersed in that nature in those places in those very very special places to uh, to know and, and care, to know what they are about, to care for them. Uh, and there's also data that shows that those groups that we now call minorities are gonna be the majority, the majority of our uh, population. Demographics uh, are shifting, not just in the state of Minnesota, but in all of the US. So we, we need those people. We need all those groups that have traditionally been underserved to be engaged. Uh, and that sounds like a selfish thing to say, right? Because we love those places, we want to engage them. Obviously, I also believe it is the right thing to do. These are everybody's, all Minnesotans. These are our public places for black, indigenous, people of color, everyone is welcome. And that's actually uh, some of the work that uh, our leadership has encouraged and makes that makes me the most proud that uh, specific messaging to uh, populations and groups that have traditionally been underserved. Right. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to share a little story. I was listening to a podcast um, that was put together by the youth who work at Urban Roots, and we're going to hear from them a little bit later in the season. Well, we're going to hear from a representative from Urban Roots, not the youth of Urban Roots. And so they were they recorded this podcast as one of their 2020 projects uh, called River Stories. And in it, they're just interviewing different volunteers or family members, and they're talking about the importance of natural resources. And they were interviewing what one lady was Hmong and she was talking about how she was up on the North Shore and she was visiting state parks and she happened to turn around and see a sign that was in Hmong. And she was like, I just felt like this is for me. I'm allowed to be here because here is my language right here speaking to me. And so this tells me that this place is for me. And she said it, you know, she bought a state park permit. It made her feel included and and part of that park system. And that's what we want, right? Like we, yes. I, I just, we forget sometimes how privileged we are. And I say we, but I, I mean me, <laughs> like how privileged I am that I can go to a, a park and it's a, it's a given, right? That there's going to be English signs that I can read read. That's and so right. it is just simple things like that, that we can really do that make our messaging so much more inclusive so that when you're going, you're actually able to enjoy the interpretive aspect of the park because it's written for you. 
Right. Yes, so true. And then the other thing that we do is have images and have so everyone can see themselves in our marketing pieces. And every time we've done that and newsletters, ads, I receive comments and from people, from users saying, wow, I see myself on that picture. I see myself belonging on state parks at state trail and the, these are just like the basics right this is the basics of what we should be doing so that everybody can see themselves in it this is one minnesota one state park system for all minnesotans i feel like i should have like a three musketeers i don't know <laughs> one for all and all for one okay yes yes all right yeah for hey, the good of everyone you know that famous paul wellstone quote we all do better when we all do better and it's so that's true a good one. Yeah. i try to live by that yeah that's a Sorry, Megan, but I think I, I upstage you with the Paul, oh, no. Paul Wellstone versus Three Musketeers. <laughs> hey, there's finally somebody on this podcast who can upstage me. Sorry, Mike. Not sorry. No, no. thank you. So, uh, yeah, so, and then the other part of the marketing that we're doing is reaching out directly to these communities, finding them where they are. Uh, which is key to DEI marketing, you know, meet them where they are. So very, again, specific marketing uh, ads on uh, their uh, publications that they run. Uh, and and I, obviously, you know, there's so much more to do, uh, but it does make a difference and it does make a, dif- a difference for them to, to feel included. Even uh, on a newsletter, we included the word miigwech, thank you, and mochiwe. Uh, mm-hmm. And someone was so uh, grateful for it that they made a point to post it on social media and say, mm. you know, hey, they're including us. Same thing when we greeted Hmong population to say Happy New Year. And that's what we were doing. Happy New Year for Minnesota State Parks and Trails. And yeah, that made a difference. And it's just those, those little things. And I, I, you can tell I'm very passionate about it. I could talk about it all day. And I think there's the right people. person in the right job at the right uh, time and we're grateful for you yeah. because yeah, we, there's so many of us doing this oh and i know the last very important point i wanted to make and thank you megan for the kind comments and again it's i'm one of many in the department doing this uh but i'll just make one more tiny point and then i i won't put you to sleep anymore uh, <laughs> yeah that research has found that it's lack of information that has been a deterrent for a lot of people to come and visit Minnesota State Parks and Trails. So that's also part of the, the work that we're doing, getting out there and making sure different people get the information and, I, and know about these places, know about the recreation opportunities and know that they're invited and included. Should we switch gears and start uh, and talk and talk with Dr. Ann? Um, if that sounds okay with you, Dr. Ann, we'll, um, sure. yeah, let's, you know, one, one thing that, that has come, that has come from all this, I think is a greater awareness of the benefits for health and, and especially in this kind of context, I think mental health, uh, though I think there's also clearly benefit, benefits for physical health that we shouldn't ignore. We can bring into this conversation, but you, I know you're very passionate about, uh, about, natural resources in the outdoors uh, and I know you also have a long history of working with many patients so can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience with you know either for yourself or for, or for your patients or both as far as what time in nature has done to help people with their mental health 
Right. Well, I've always loved the outdoors, and then I ended up in a profession where I'm indoors. <laughs> and after I went ahead and finished all my training and then came back home to practice in my hometown, I thought, well, I've really kind of locked myself out of my passion. This is not good. <laughs> so I heard about the Wilderness Society, and I heard about the American Tour Touring River Touring Association, and I noticed that they needed a physician on some of their trips, and they would give me the trip if I provided my transportation. And that saved me. Since the 1970s, I've been up the Yukon River. I've been to Yugoslavia on the Taro River. I've been down to the Grand Canyon on the Colorado River. I've been down to the Okefenokee Swamp. I finally said, I've got to get up to the Boundary Waters. And I was a trip physician on all of this. And I went to the um, Rocky Mountains, um, both way up in Montana. And then I got... Yeah, so th those are the kinds of trips I took. All I had to do was get on a plane and uh, provide all the medical medical uh, help they needed when they had a catastrophe. And I would it was wonderful. I went out into the wilderness. If I had a plug nickel, you couldn't use it for anything. Mm -hmm. And I loved to cook, so often I would end up helping some of the guides cook. And um, it was amazing. I said, that's just at the time they were starting to get, you know, with a lot of drug um, misuse. And I said, if you want to go on an all-time high, go outside. Go and hike. Do all of this stuff. I said, it's a natural high. It has no side effects. And it kicks up your oxytocin and all your endorphins. And, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to go to parks. And for me, it just cost me my transportation. I was very fortunate uh, to be in that situation. And I have promoted that ever since. I said, get in a canoe and go up to Itasca Park. They got oodles of lakes up there. I actually went up to Itasca for some of my graduate work because I got a degree in zoology uh, before I went to medical school. And it was in my DNA. And I just tell people, you have got to get out and do this. And kids now, they're all plugged into all this stuff. And many people are multitasking and they're all attached to gadgets and they're indoors. And I said, I gave something to one of the local schools here, elementary school, and said, leave no kid indoors, period. I love that, Dr. Ann. Well, you are a doctor who clearly takes your own medicine and your own advice. And you're not just right. telling people to get out in nature. You're also taking right. that medicine and getting out in nature yourself. Right. So describe for us a little bit, like, what are some of these? You you mentioned this high a couple times, and I'm yes. assuming that this is a physiological response oh, yeah. or a psychological response. Yeah. Describe that a little bit for us. What's happening in our brains as we're getting yeah. connected with nature? It definitely is. And there's some science, actually, and it's a book that I'm going to re recommend to you. It's called Shin Rin Yuko. And it's mm -hmm. Japanese, and I'm not sure I've got the spelling correct, but Shin is S-H-I-N-R, like in red, I-N. <clears throat> the second word is yuko, I think, Y-O-K-U. And the translation is Shinrin is forest and yuko is bathe. So they call it forest bathing. And the Japanese in the 1980s, there's, there's actually references in the book I'm going to recommend um, to show that it will lower your blood pressure, which can be a killer hypertension. It can lower your pulse rate. It can decrease anxiety attacks. It can put you into a state of um, calm where you can kind of recollect your thoughts. And, you know, when you sleep, if you sleep well, your brain is constantly getting rid of all this extra trash that you've been having in your head that you have no use for. And we do need to have that kind of separation from all this busyness and craziness, some of the stuff which makes no sense, and just be by yourself. 
you know? And then the other thing in parks and outside, the seasons change and you have to use all your senses. If you listen and you hear and you touch and even sometimes you taste, if you're in a coniferous forest, you know that the aroma of the pine needles is something that really is very refreshing and rejuvenating. So you take kids out there. I had this, my little nieces and nephews when they were small, I took them up to Flandreau and um, we did all kinds of stuff like that. And we got them hooked in about what the benefits were of being out in the forest. And then their imaginations go absolutely bananas, which I love. I live in a land of imagineering. That's my other subspecialty that nobody really knows about. But boy, (laughs) I, I, I can turn that thing on and, you know, it can go full tilt. So we're talking about all these benefits that you clearly have experienced and are passionate yep. about yep. Uh, when it comes to spending time in the outdoors. And I know there's quite a bit of research out there now. There even, is. Um, showing the benefits that people get, mental and physical, spending time in, in wild areas, basically. Um, what is what is your sense of what this means for the field of medicine? Um, is there a growing awareness? Is there kind of a paradigm shift? Are doctors now, including yourself, sometimes prescribing time in nature. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you some of the park and rec departments now and some of the insurance companies are giving the people who are insured benefits by going to a rec center to exercise or do the bike trail or go to Flandreau. And I often tell people, you know, if you're kind of wondering what to give a family for Christmas, give them a park sticker and get them in the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the best investment they possibly could have. Plus, you can you can rent cabins out there. And we should mention, too, while state parks certainly have an annual fee, and the reason for that is because of the amenities that we're offering right. at state parks, because of the naturalist programs, because of all of the things that are there, there's also public lands that are completely free to you. You can go to a wildlife management area, a scientific and natural area, right. aquatic management area, a the Nature Conservancy has preserves that you can visit. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has areas. It doesn't matter what the name is on the brown routed sign. It's for you. You're a public landowner, and right. those are absolutely free for you to go visit. And there are many of them. You can check them out on the DNR's Recreation Compass if you want to find well, there's where you're going to wander next. Hanska Lake, Clear Lake. Yeah. Those are two that you can you know definitely take in. Um, so, Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. This is but some wonderful. kids can just some kids can just take their bikes and go down to Flander. Absolutely. You oh know. yeah. You can just That's get good in. for them. It they is go down good there to swim. They go down there to sled. They go down there to do snow angels. They they whatever. Just get into it big time. Get into it big time. Advice from Dr. Ann that everyone should it works. get into and it if, big time. I love it. If your kids get to you, take them outside and peter them out, bring them home. That's what you do. Um, That's a good strategy. Definitely ascribe to that medicine. There would be mm. many times growing up in our house that she'd just say, go outside. <laughs> there was right. no preamble. There was no, there were no other instructions. There were many little kid voices then peppering her with, but where's my coat? But where are my boots? And she'd say, figure it out. You got five minutes to get outside. <laughs> we That's just, right. We were sent out to go play. And exactly. you know, obviously that uh, shaped me as a person. And gosh, what a surprise that now I'm in this field as an ecologist after being We're tossed talking. out. Uh, my mother did not neglect me, just so everybody listening is aware of that. <laughs> we just sat outside for the good of the house. Hey, can we uh, can we can we yes, move this please. conversation to, to Prairie specifically? Yeah. We're, we're talking broadly about 
about natural areas and and the benefits. So this includes all of our natural areas, the ones up north that are forested and the aquatic natural areas and so forth. What about prairie specifically? And and more to the point, what does this mean for prairie conservation, since that's what this show is all about, largely? Um, and, uh, any of you three, I guess, uh, including Megan, what do we what do we think about what this? What these this nat- nature connectedness benefit to mental health? What it means for prairie conservation? Well, it's at the risk related. of sounding like a broken record, as more people figure out the importance and feel it in their body of uh, outdoor recreation for health uh, and being connected to nature, they're going to be our advocates for the future for these places. They're going to be our conservationists of the future. I truly believe that. Uh, even, you know, I see it in my own children. They they haven't read all the research and papers, but they tell me how being outdoors helps them calm down and helps them feel better. Uh, kids have I that awareness? From, say what? Oh, yeah. Kids have that awareness. That's impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, but I... Yes and no, right? Because it's it, it's just something that you feel. It's so strong. I mean, I... Dr. Ann did a much better job uh, describing that feeling, but I I fully agree. Uh, and, you know, remember, I come from a big city. So to me, um, and, and I, I'm going to make assumptions here, you know, from talking to friends, other people who grew up in Minnesota, you might take these places for granted. But when, you know, you have someone who grew up biking on, surrounded by cement and, you know, the tree was basically in a small circle or square of grass on a sidewalk and that was it uh, and you're basically fighting the buses I, I always say that I used to be a much faster bike rider because you know I had to I had to survive right so I had big bus and trucks and cars behind me uh, and then you know coming here and having dedicated spaces for this recreation it's just as such an eye opener. Before it was, you know, vacation once or twice a year, and that was it. That was my connection to nature, and uh, even paddling. You know, paddling in the Delta area of Buenos Aires and surrounded by motorboats again. And then you go to places like the Boundary Waters, like Dr. Ann was saying, and uh, you can you can feel the difference. And uh, just there's just so much appreciation that you can only get from experiencing these places. Yeah, and you you can't listen to a multiple diverse bird population unless you sit down and be quiet and just listen. And once you allow yourself to get sensitized to that, their eyes, whether you're older or what I call seasoned adults or your little kids that are just beginning to, you know, realize there's a new world around them, they start becoming very quiet and their their eyes just shine with, you know, amazement and discovery. And then if they see little things like you know worms wiggling around or caterpillars or the they see a caterpillar that's feeding on a milkweed and then later on they find out that the things that fly around that look orange and go down to mexico those are the adults i mean it's it's a real revelation it's a discovery for preschoolers as well as the ones that are in school yeah yeah it's it's immeasurable it's a connection they need to have I was going to say one of the things you mentioned earlier about uh, watching the chipmunk in the log at the state park and sitting there. And it made me think – it actually made me think about Chris Heltzer and um, his emphasis on the square meter of prairie and all the diversity that can be found in a square oh. meter. Right. And it made me think – like this is one thing that is perhaps at least a little bit unique about prairie is the diversity that you can find in a small area. 
and the the mental benefits that can come from exploring that diversity and getting engaged with it with barely having to move and, and just, it, it, <laughs> that appeals to exactly. you doesn't it mike you, you barely have to move to discover a prairie is that is that your nature model i want to go out in nature i'm mike warland and i want to sit in a spot and i want to see all the things Some days without that really the having case. to move yeah. mike, mike yeah, i'm going to come to your defense unless you sit Thank in you, a spot Brian. you will move you will lose sight of a lot of stuff because the stuff is going to be in front of you and come to you even a little bit of pools of water you know blue green algae if you go on the road ditch and you know get a jar full of water and get a phase contrast microscope and get a kid that's able to actually visualize something their eyes just pop out you know volvox when this piece of crystalline you know living being starts to tumble around and you have this light that's illuminating it it's like that's magic it is <laughs> it's it magic is. But, but I love that nature, everything we're talking about is that, and we say this a lot on the podcast, that prairie is still a frontier of discovery. We talk about space as a society being this frontier to explore where there's so many things we don't know. Prairie is just as cool and you don't need a rocket suit. Like you could just go out there and wear your socks over your jeans like a professional so you don't get ticks and it's magnificent. Yes. Really? And most prairies, uh, we really don't see too many ticks in them as long no. as there's not that woodsy, brushy edge. That's really where the ticks like to hang out. So it's just uh, nature is all about discovery. The prairie's about discovery. Mike, you asked what we all like about it. I like the openness. That for me is freedom. I just like that I you agree. can go out, those waves you know of grasses and flowers that's that's where it's at for me do you know that i don't know which of the brandenburgs it is he's a photojournalist he's jim. down at blue mound jim yep he is better known in italy evidently for his expertise that he has here but he said he has taken photographs up and down the state of minnesota and he far far prefers taking pictures of the prairie because you have the landscape you have the sunrises the sunsets you have the blooming um, flowers you have the wind that's making the flowers sway and he said you can see so much more for such larger distances have better vistas than you can actually when you get up further north in the woods i want to give a shout out to dr ann before we move to our next section here you probably have single-handedly removed more tons of buckthorn <laughs> out of pleasure oh. state park than many of volunteers so there is a way for everybody yes these spaces are important for us to visit and be connected to for our wellness but we can also give back and that feels like maybe triple as good because you got to be out in nature and then you also got to provide a valuable service to the nature that's benefiting you. And so I always like that gonna, you're giving I'm, back. I'm going to interject that one of my colleagues is the one that we call the Buckthorn Queen in New Ulm. I always oh. call her small but mighty. I'll bet you she's cleared on her own several acres in, in Flandreau. And she's now working with the Park and Rec Department. And I even got her a little tiny crown that I had her put on her head. And I <laughs> call her the Buckthorn Queen. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. Is it made out of Buckthorn? Uh, yeah, she's taken out more buckthorn than anybody I know of. Plus, they're great big stumps. You know, they throw those away. There's somebody who's, what do they call them, wood turners. They make beautiful bowls out of those. But you don't did plant you buckthorn for that purpose. It's just recycle. Did you catch Veronica's question? Did you make the crown out of buckthorn so it came full? Oh, no. No, 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 no. All right, we've had a 
we have yeah. got to jump into our next section here. I mean, you can tell that we picked the right passionate people to talk about this subject yeah. because I feel like my own mental health has improved just listening to you guys talk about how connected you are to the natural world and how important it is. So this is the part of the podcast where we recommend a book, a blog, or a paper. And so, Veronica, let's start with you. And why don't you go over your picks? That was such a hard question. It took me forever to come to my final pick. And I'm going to be the rule breaker here and give you two. A Do magazine it. that our friends uh, at and colleagues at the DNR make, the Minnesota Conservation Volunteer, were uh, someone from a big city who doesn't know a lot of the science of the outdoor recreation she loves can learn about anything and everything. I'm working on a newsletter issue uh, about caving, uh, actually caves and karst, which is, a, by the way, 2021 is the international years, uh, year of caves and karst, if you can believe that. I didn't know that. that. So, I didn't know yeah, that either. I know. There's a pro tip for you. I have to bring something useful to your podcast and new. <laughs> so MCV, you know, Minnesota Conservation Volunteer, type in caving. Boom, there are lots of hits and lots of explanation of uh, karst and the driftless area. Um, one of my favorite, oh, and Miss Vintage here has written for them too. So I'm yep. almost tempted to talk about her amazing articles on the magazine, but I have to say my favorite was about bear research. Um, look it up. It's from 2020, I believe. So just subscribe. It's an awesome magazine. It is. And awesome then uh, my other pick is, uh, pick is the Mountain Prairie and Prairie podcast out of Colorado. And they have been doing some uh, great episodes on diversity and inclusion. Look up for the episode with Gabe Vasquez and you'll be hooked. He has a, he agrees with me. So, <laughs> everything related to, you know, engaging diverse populations and traditionally underserved communities. And uh, it's just, uh, he's, he's a lot more uh, eloquent than I am. So you can you can listen to that mountain and prairie and mcv well i think you're very eloquent and i did look up at gabe vasquez and it's advocate for equity in the outdoors and it is a fabulous podcast episode so i can i can duplicate your recommendation dr ann how about you what what's your pick well, I don't have a podcast that I'm going to recommend, but I am going to recommend the book called The Healing Power of Being in the Woods. And it's been written by um, Gretchen Kaler, K-O-E-H-L-E-R. And the book um, is just a small little 12-pager, uh, and it's all about the healing power of being in the woods. And she actually took some courses at the Landscape Arboretum. She is a retired PhD physical ed instructor and on wellness and health from Gus Davis Adolphus. She lives in St. Peter. She also works at the co-op there, so she's very much into, you know, all kinds of natural things. And that book is absolutely wonderful. I think people, I give it as gifts. And you can get it at the Grand Center for Arts and Culture down in New Ulm because Anne Makepeace, who is the former CEO there, um, lives 
in St. Peter now, and Gretchen, the author, Kaler, is not too far from there. So she could have more that people can pick it up, or you can go, I'm sure, on Amazon is another way. But if people want it hands-on right now, that's what I'd suggest. It's absolutely fantastic. Then there was another book um, that actually was written by, um, I think, 50-some articles from the um, Minnesota Volunteer, that conservation magazine, uh-huh. and it's called Our Neck of the Woods. Oh, my goodness. It's poetic. And it was written in 2009, and it's subtitle, Exploring Minnesota's Wild Places. And it's got things on, one of the things was on bogs. I remember being in Itasca. That's another fascinating place. But prairie is first. Bog is probably second. Thanks for those picks, Dr. Ann. Those are great. Yep. Hey, Megan. Yeah, Mike. Let's go for a hike and soothe our troubled minds, shall we? <laughs> it's going to need to be a long hike, buddy. It's going to need to be a long hike. <laughs> As we always do, this is the part of the podcast, and we've been talking about this in this whole episode, but we are going to recommend your public lands. Congratulations! You're a public landowner! Woohoo! And so we are going to steer you towards some of our guests' favorite picks. All right, Veronica, start us out. Where are we hiking today? So remember earlier in uh, 2021, it was we had the coolest weekend of the year. Guess where I was? At Glendalo State Park. Stayed at a <laughs> camper cabin, so I sort of cheated, but uh, you also have to... Still admirable, it. Veronica. Yeah, very <laughs> admirable. So yeah. We, we had a, a nice trip with my eight-year-old and hiked around, discovered new places, and just took in the... The piece of the amazing prairie at Glendalo. Uh, there were some uh, small hills, but and the, the vistas were amazing just for the same reasons that were described earlier. You know, it's just a vast expanse of land, and you just can see as far basically as your eye can see. What, what part of the state is that in? I'm not familiar with that park. Glendalo is uh, west. And a little bit of a little bit north of the Twin Cities, close gotcha. to uh, past Alexandria. Okay. Uh, just beautiful park with a historic lodge, uh, big lake that's protected actually, so you cannot do anything. Uh, you you even have to use a hand auger if you're ice fishing. Uh, hmm. You can't have any motorboat. So I'll be going back there for kayaking in the summer. And for those of you, no, yeah. Perfect. And for those of you who are wondering, how do I find these parks? Just like Mike, there is a handy tool called the Park Finder. You can just type in MNDNR Park Finder into your old Google machine and you will get a whole list of where you're going to be headed to your next state park adventure. Dr. Ann, where are we hiking? Well, two places. One for sure has got to be Flandro. And if people feel that they don't aren't too athletic, I said take the Bluebird Loop. There's two of them past the rustic camp area. And you will see all kinds of things just pop your eyes when it comes to prairie. There's oodles and oodles of milkweed and lots of monarch caterpillars there. And there's little streams. And um, there are nesting birds. And then there's a, a little wooded area um, just, again, that would be kind of west of that trail and you can hear a bunch of woodpeckers that are you know the nature's woodcarvers and there's lots of cattails and then if you go up on kind of the marshy part of that trail you'll find jack in the pulpits i mean zillions of things 
and they're all so unique. When kids see the Jack in the Pulpit, they just, you know, oh my gosh. Just like when you're up northern Minnesota and you see a pitcher plant, you said, oh, you know, they're just wonders. They really are. They are. Where's the second place you're you're hiking uh, with us today? Would be, and I don't get there very often, but when I was working at Open Door uh, Health Center in Mankato, is the Casota um nature reserve that scientific reserve that has that is so unique i guess it's 70 feet tall the ridge in some places it's got beaver dams there are red fox there are reptiles um i just found a lot of things that i found in no other park in south central minnesota it is so unique that i would definitely um recommend that people go there not for a lot of really little children but you know when you get into the um elementary fifth sixth grade and for sure throw the teenagers out there and let them run around and find things yes uh-huh. <laughs> absolutely and because we're trying to make this easy for you there is also a find a natural area map on our website where you can just type in sna minnesota dnr find a natural area and it'll take you to that map and if you want to see all of these incredible public lands all in one place we've got that too You can go to our DNR Recreation Compass, and that will show you all of your public lands. This has been great. We could talk to you all all day long. I also want to find, Dr. Ann, you've inspired me to use the word oodles more in my daily uh, language (laughs) conversations. Thanks for that, Dr. Ann. Yes. (laughs) You might hear this on the podcast throughout the season. Oodles and oodles of fun we're having, aren't we? Yes. Yes. I love it so much. You're both too incredible women incredible inspiring people in general and we are lucky to know you and so grateful that you were here as our guest today absolutely thank you for the opportunity to spread the joy (laughs) i love it so next week catch us next week on prairie tuesday we are going to be continuing this mental health theme and so we are just for you having an invasive species support group where we are going to round robin with some of our managers and we are going to talk about two prairie nemesis kentucky bluegrass and smooth brome and so we're going to chat with them about some successes or challenges they've had in trying to deal with these two species that we know with climate change and nitrogen deposition are just going to continue to be an extreme problem for our prairies health and fitness and so while today's episode was certainly focused on our mental health as it's connected to these prairie systems we also want to make sure that these prairie systems are healthy so that they persist through time forever and ever Megan, Megan, I just just want to tell you, I hope everybody goes out and gets their prairie fix. That's something to get addicted to. Yes, that is something to get addicted to. A prairie fix. Fix. As always, you can catch all of our resources that we talked about today on our website at mndnr.gov backslash prairie pod. This episode was produced by the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources Southern Region. Under the Minnesota Prairie Conservation Partnership, it was edited by the magnificent Dan Ryder and engineered by the fabulous Jed Beecher. What should we say? Should we sign off and say, go get your prairie fix? Yes. Beep. Okay. <laughs> we just say bye to everybody, too. <laughs> that was... Goodbye. Bye, all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.